I'm reading some verses this morning from the seventh chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. I got started a few days ago thinking about Stephen and his death, and I just don't seem to be able to get away from it. Uh, you know, he almost covered the whole history of the uh, Jewish race in that last speech he made, and what he said about Moses impressed me tremendously. I'll read you just two or three or four or five verses. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Don't ever think he is an ignoramus. You know, there's some thinking before this day. This is not really the day of the thinker. Uh, we have a good many inventions and a great deal of science, but, but in the old days, folks used to think. They even thought God's thoughts after him. You know, there's very little thinking today. Knowledge is multiplied, but not a great deal of thinking. I doubt if there's ever been a time when there was a little, real, original thinking as now. You know, these modernists are not thinkers. All they are, they're parrots. They don't think. Somebody tells them something, they take it and tell it. Say scholarship's agreed whether it has or not. This isn't the day of the thinker. Now, in the realm of science, they do some good uh, investigation. They do research work and uh, reach certain conclusions. But the real old-time philosophical thinking, there isn't a great deal of it. So don't you feel too uneasy about uh, your inability to think because you won't be lonesome because the people you run around with don't think much. All right. And when he was full 40 years of old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him and was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Now notice, for he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And the next day he showed himself unto them as he strove and so on and so on. He, but he that did his neighbor wrong, the guilty part, the one that was to blame, he fought back. He wasn't penitent. He thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses fled at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. And when forty years were expired, uh, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers. I am still in existence. I'm still on the job. I'm still in business. Sometimes we think he's gone out of business. Sometimes it looks like the darkness is settled to stay. But he said, I am the God of Abraham. I'm not dead. I'm still moving. I still open the door of every day, like the stars at night. Bring up the sun on schedule. Pull down the curtain of the evening at the same time, never secondly. I'm still in existence. Saying, I am the God of thy fathers, 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And then Moses trembled and does not behold in the presence of a God like that. Young people, what this world needs is to get a old-time vision of a God that our fathers believed in. We've got such a superficial conception of things today. Such a deluded religion. We've deluded nearly everything in this country. We've deluded the music we sing till it doesn't mean much anymore. I was a boy out in the country. Those old country folks, they had whangy voices and didn't know much about how to sing, but they knew what songs to sing. There was no cheap singing in the churches. Those old country folks sang how firm a foundation and they knew what they were singing about. They weren't great musicians and they couldn't do what singers in Bob Jones University can do. But they could sing the great songs. And the average backwood countryman when I was a boy had more appreciation of the real honest to goodness great things of God than most of the graduates of universities and colleges in America today. Moses trembled. Who wouldn't? Bush burning. God Almighty there. And God says, I'm the same God. The God that worked miracles down Egypt. The God that drove your ancestors out of Egypt. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God... Down there, I'm, I'm your God. I can do things for you. I'm the God that can set a, some frogs on the slaves down there, the oppressors. I'm the God that can run them, uh, their enemies away with lies. I'm the God that can kill all the fish and make it smell so bad they let you away so they get rid of the stench. I'm the God. I, I'm somebody. Listen, you don't have to be a nobody in another. Any little man, plus the omnipotent God, becomes a big man. You're big because of your conduct. And then said the Lord to him, put off your shoes. Take them off from thy feet. The place where you are standing is holy ground. Wherever you stand is holy ground if God's there. And everything in the, about you will be a burning bush when God's there. And a job in the kitchen, a job on the farm, or washing the baby, or washing dishes, or anything, will be a holy something. And you'll walk lightly around when God's there. He said, I've seen the affliction of thy people, which is in Egypt, and I've heard their groaning, and have come down to live with them, and now come, I will send thee into Egypt. Now I'll stop there. But what I want to talk to you this morning, about 10 or 15 minutes, is this verse. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. The greatest mistake the workers of God ever make is when they suppose that everybody understands. 
When you go to operating on supposition, you'll get in trouble. I learned that years ago. I used to go out and hold speaking engagements over the country. I remember one time a tour at Alabama. Sent a very glamorous personality out to set up the details of the meeting. Had the cards printed for the windows. Announcements all made. Contacts established. And he'd go into a town and he'd uh, say, get arrangements for the auditorium. Getting set up and book the time. Write me, you're booked for a certain time. Have so many cards set there, so many tracks for distribution, so much to be put out. All instructions given. Everything worked out in detail. We told him before he left how to do it. But he made one great mistake. He supposed everybody would do what he said he'd do. Now you go to supposing that and you'll get in trouble and you'll never be efficient. Whenever you get where you begin to take for granted that everything's all right, it won't be all right. It never has been, never will be. And I said to this fellow, when you go book a town, uh, you get the place, see that the building's open, man will promise you. Then get some man to check the man that's going to open the building. And then get some man to check the man that's going to check the man that opens the building. And then get some good old substantial plain plodding fella to check the checker of the checker man that's going to check the building. And when you put out the cards, get some fella to promise you solemn. Pledge it. Then you get away, write him and say, don't forget. Then two or three days, write him and tell him how much you appreciate what he's going to do. Whether he's going to do it or not, he probably won't, but tell him you appreciate it. But before you leave town, you check a fella and say, now you see that this fella does. He might get sick. Don't reflect on it. He might get sick. And you tell him now, you, uh, uh, something might happen. You might get sick or something. And, and so and so is going to check on you to see you do it. See? And then you get some fella and say, Mr. Smith's agreed to check Mr. Jones if anything happens. But something might happen to Mr. Smith. And uh, will you kindly ask Mr. Smith if, He's seen Mr. Jones, and if everything's all right, and after all you can get of the checkers to check, there'll be something that'll never be checked. <laughs> Somebody said, well, he promised me he'd do it. I suppose he'd keep his word. Figure on the worst, never the best. Never the best. Now, poor Moses. He is a man who has to live high ideals. Been reared right. Educated. Nice fellow. Hadn't had the rough and tumble of life like some of those slaves had. Rather remarkable, he killed that fellow. Got out there and saw a fellow. But his convictions were strong. He had the love of his brethren there. He was out of the royal palace, but he had it in his heart. And he saw him out there. He said, you can't kill that fellow. You can't persecute this brother of mine. He said, they'll all rally to me. <laughs> but they didn't rally. They didn't rally. And they'll break your heart if you are God's man a thousand times. You go to supposing. You figure everybody's going to be fired. They won't. But there'll be enough for you.
to do what God wants you to do. I don't think there's any doubt that Moses got ahead of God a little. Probably shouldn't have killed this fellow. As I've said him many a time, always did respect him. He killed the fellow somebody should have killed. If you're going to kill a man, pick a fellow that ought to be killed. Like I told you about the guy that said that that man had cussed a little. We never heard him cuss anybody shouldn't be cussed. I got more respect for a cusser that cusses a fellow ought to be cussed than I have a fellow that cusses somebody shouldn't be cussed. Shouldn't cuss at all, but if you're going to cuss, <laughs> cuss the fellow that ought to be cussed. That's all right. But you know what's the trouble with those fellows? There was somebody over there that was wrong. There was a man in that crowd over there that wasn't right. And whenever a fella lines up against you, if you are God's man, that fella is right. The fella that was wrong said, the fella was wrong said, who made you the judge? We're back to the old thing I've told you so many times. Good man's a reasonable man. You get a deacon in your church, a steward, an elder, a vestment, unreasonable. He's crooked. Always crooked. Always wrong. It doesn't say anything about the fellow wasn't right in this struggle. One of these boys was right. They were having trouble, but one of the guys was wrong. And the guy that was wrong was against the man that was trying to be good to them and deliver them from their slavery. See? It's always that way. No good man opposes any other man who's even crudely trying to do the best he can for God. You're just sort of saluting. Don't let them fool you. I've had pastors say to me, Brother so-and-so is a very good man, but he doesn't believe in revivals. He never cooperates in a campaign. He doesn't believe in this sort of thing. I said... He doesn't. Does he know Mr. So-and-so was saved last night? Yeah. Oh, yes, he'll be glad to welcome him to the church. But he says he doesn't believe in that. Listen, don't pay one bit of attention to that guy that doesn't believe it. A good man responds to God's good man. However crudely God's good man may be doing the job. He may say, I wish he wouldn't say, I seen. He may say, I sure wish he'd use better grammar. He may say, I wish that fellow would sing a little nicer. He hasn't got his voice pitched right. He might say, the fellow's a little awkward. It's a pity he's not a little more at ease. But you let him be for God. Good men are not against him. There isn't a man in this country running for office today that isn't glad to get the help of anybody around town to help him get in. And a man who's going God's way gets the help of other folks who are going God's way. The trouble with those folks down there, they were God's chosen people, but they themselves were not right. And when Moses let them out later and took them out there 40 years later, 40 years later, Moses had learned something. He'd been up against it. God schooled him on the backside of a desk. 
And I want to tell you that all the education of the world can't take the place of some little hardships. He'd been herding sheep. Oh, in the woods. That's different from living in the palace. That's different from saying, dinner is served. Come on in, your majesty. He waked up the sheep and put them to bed. Like World War I, certain prominent rich man down in Alabama, son of a rich man, never had any hard time in his life. And I wanted to see him. And I said, where's so-and-so? He said, he's giving a mule a bath out here. He's bathing that mule. <laughs> He'd been, had always had somebody to bathe him. Ten on the water. You know, that bathing mules is pretty good for some fellas. Blessed is the man that has to give a mule a bath once in a while. <laughs> So Moses had had 40 years of experience. And next time he came down there, he didn't take anything for granted. Moses didn't expect it to be easy next time. He didn't find it easy. Listen, it never has been easy. It never will be easy in a sinful world for anybody on earth to do God's business. These fellas tell you they'll get you a nice job. There never has been a job that God ever gave any man that didn't have hardships connected with it. You'll have your troubles. But I'm talking to somebody this morning that's called of God Almighty just as truly as Moses was called. Over in India. There's somebody waiting for you over there. In Africa. Maybe in Japan. Somebody waiting for you. Over yonder somewhere. There's a little child that's growing up now. In a home that's not Christian. God's got his eye on that child. He's got his eye on you. You're going to hold a meeting there someday. Just when the child just gets the right age. God has a job for you. You won't write the history that Moses wrote. And you'll never be the just exactly the kind of man Moses was. But you can be the kind of fellow God wants you to be. And there's no bigger place in the world than that. Can you think of any job bigger than the job that God Almighty has set up for you and fixed on your pathway for which he is now training you? That's the greatest business in the world. That old saying, little is big when God's in it. Tis little. God said, don't matter about that. If you'll just give a fellow a drink of water in my name, 
I'll take it. You're not going to be all of these folks that couldn't do anything but give drinks of water. You'll see them in heaven with shining crowns. Some folks that I've said so many times make the headlines down here won't make them up in heaven. Let's be faithful to God. Find his will for your life and don't complain if you have some hardships. They'll be good for you. And you'll need them. They'll give you an understanding mind. No man can understand that hasn't had to suffer. Been up against it. The worst thing for a child is to have it too easy for it. The worst thing for a child of God is to have it too easy. Don't ask for an easy road. Ask for the right road. And the right road is the road of God's will for your life. Our Father, pray bless all of us here. Have thy way with us. We'll go where you want us to go. It's the back of the desert. Help us to be willing to go back in the desert. Have thy way with us. Thy way is the only way. It's the only way for Moses. He was human. We are human. Paul was human. All of them were human. All the mighty men that have blessed the world under God's leadership have been human with limitations and weaknesses. But the men that did great things for God were the men, help us not to forget it, who had an unconquerable purpose and determination to do God's will and go God's way. Give us such determination and thy grace to do what you'd have us to do. We pray in thy name. Amen.